Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by UniBridge. I'm Yun Zheng, your host for today. In our last episode, we spoke with Selena, a Harvard student, and left off with her research experiences with Professor Kishore Mabubani. So without further ado, let's listen to her story. Let's go. You know, I think since we have talked about um, some of your more life-shaping experiences, especially through like um, the summer school and things like that, I think moving on to the next really interesting part of your 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 journey in university, right, is research, right? You, you have done quite a bit of, you know, uh, being being research assistant assistants for multiple professors actually. Um, maybe you can talk more about your research experience at, at Harvard. <laughs> so my first um, experience being a research assistant was actually my first year. So when I was wow. a freshman, and is it um, hard to get a research uh, assistant post as a freshman? It's actually pretty ad hoc. Like there's no fixed process, right? Like it's not like mm-hmm. oh, it opens every like month or something, and then you apply. It was more so I saw an email which was like um which basically said um a senior visiting fellow called. Kishore Mabubani was coming to Harvard. He was looking for a research assistant. And I was like, mm. wait a moment, Kishore Mabubani? And I was like, hang on. Okay, so this is a long story. So I first read his book called The Great Convergence back when I was mm. in young, And it was recommended to me by the vice principal. She was like, you have to read this book. And I was like, okay. Mm. And I read it. I was so impressed. I was like, whoa. I felt like my initial, like, you know, IR worldview was very much shaped by what Mabubani said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I attended some, I can't remember, it was like some SG conversation thing, um, probably when I was in JC. And then uh, Kishore Malbani was the keynote speaker. And then I was like, oh my God. And I brought the book with me so that I could mm-hmm. get him to autograph it. But then he left the auditorium immediately after his speech and didn't even stay. Oh. So I was like, wait. So I actually just said, I need to go to the bathroom. And then I ran, up, ran out to him to his car and was like, hi, can you sign it? So that was like <laughs> the first time I kind of met him in person. Mm-hmm. He definitely did not remember me from back then. But so when I saw his name, I was like, oh my God, this is such a cool experience. And I actually felt mm-hmm. a bit intimidated because he said it was open to like um, graduate students and like seniors, like mm-hmm. advanced undergraduates. And so when I was literally a freshman, right? And there are like a lot of Singaporean graduate students, like for instance mm-hmm. at the Kennedy School of Government. So I was like, okay. But then I just decided, okay, I should just apply. <laughs> and then when I went for the interview, um, so he was going to be a senior visiting fellow at um, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation, I think. It's, mm-hmm. So Harvard has a lot of like different centers as like, you know, as to any university, actually. So, like, usually those centers are, like, tagged to one of the graduate schools and then they are endowed and then they fund visiting fellowships by professors from all around mm-hmm. the world. And then they come here for free, sponsored to do research during that period mm-hmm. of time. So he was going to be the, um, in Boston for about a month or so. And he had just finished his previous book and he was trying to start on a new book on US-China relations. So that was kind of what the job description was like. So I interviewed. Mm-hmm. And then miraculously, I got it. And I was like, holy. And then um, I think... Um, my job during that one month or so, it was a lot about, I think, first, it was very cool to meet him in person and interact with him on a personal basis. <laughs> and I feel mm-hmm. like he really did inspire me a lot. And he remains a mentor till this day. And mm-hmm. then, and I've met him sub- subsequently then too, um, like since he left um, Boston. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think my, my memory of that uh, being his RA back then, it was a, bit, a lot more about, because it was a very early stage of his book, right? Like, he didn't really have a book. He just knew he wanted to do something about US-China relations. So mm-hmm. during that very early stages, what he was doing more was to canvas opinions from experts at Harvard, like professors mm-hmm. and other visiting faculty. Mm-hmm. And then um, a lot of times, like, I was doing more of his scheduling. And then mm-hmm. um, sometimes he actually um, brought me along to those meetings and then I was taking minutes and stuff like that. So I, it was mm-hmm. a lot more of, like, 
absorption by osmosis. And then uh-huh. I think some of the stuff that he needed me to do was to like, you know, monitor news. Um, it wasn't like, you know, highly complex stuff. Um, mm-hmm. um, doing like, you know, like uh, research and citations, um, like doing whatever he needs me to do, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was quite varied. And I had like many interesting experiences, like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, based on whatever he needed me to do then. So we actually had like a lot of like, non-research related like you know mm-hmm. kind of activity so like including for instance when he needed to fix his like iphone and then i had to go with him to like the mall <laughs> to fix. and it was just like oh uh-huh. uh, like okay it was vaguely surreal because i really idolized him but i feel like it's pretty mm-hmm. normal from his perspective so yeah it was mm-hmm. like experiences like that and then um i think afterwards i realized that oh this is something quite cool and if there are opportunities like that in the future i definitely want to try right like you know being a research assistant to different kind of professors and mm-hmm. also trying to like see what it's like from um a social sciences discipline like mm-hmm. um like what research is like there compared to like humanities so i think subsequently i um, did research for a part of a project called uh, secretaries of state project at the belfast center so that was a bit mm-hmm. about researching about the diplomatic styles of various secretaries of state and by then it was rex tillerson so it was right before mike pompeo and it was during the trump administration right so it was a bit about like okay what is this diplomatic style and stuff like that that was pretty short it's actually quite difficult to tackle like both research assistantships with like your uh, workload so I did that, and it was probably about a month or two. And then the last research assistant stint I did was uh, with Professor Graham Allison. So mm. he actually taught one of my courses, which was on U.S. national security. And mm. um, he's just like you know, like he's he's really really like uh, like eminent in his field. And he kind of coined the term Thucydides trap for yeah, like, exactly. you know, the modern ages, like yeah. US-China relations. And he wrote an entire book about it also. And he regularly goes to Asia to speak with top like Chinese policymakers about you know mm-hmm. his point of view and stuff. And he's very, very old, but so energetic. I kind of want to be like that when I'm like, you know, 80 or something. Like that's <laughs> uh-huh. the goal. And I think if I'm not wrong, Lee Sin Long, like PM Lee, actually took his class, like the very same class. He has been teaching that class for years oh and years and years. Yeah. Wow. So it was very, very cool. And then um, mm-hmm. by like, you know, serendipity and whatever. Um, so I was supposed to be like, you know, his RA for like Chinese history and politics and somewhat. So about like his research into China. And mm-hmm. then because literally like 10 days after I started becoming his RA, um, mm-hmm. Harvard was like, hi, actually, everybody, COVID is actually happening in Boston. So everybody should get out of campus and never come oh, back. No. Okay, not never come back, but like mm-hmm. get out of campus. And like, yeah, so that was very much like what happened. And I think it kind of disrupted, like, I guess the research assistant process. Because like, mm-hmm. you know, it actually would have been very cool if we continued staying on campus and how it would have fleshed out. I don't know, I could only imagine. But like, um, because of that, I think it was a lot more remote. And also like, you know, like the time zone difference and stuff. So mm-hmm. I didn't get to do this or anything for very long. But it was a bit more about like, you know, one of the projects was like research, for instance, um, what is the official Chinese history in terms of like textbooks and official like scripts and documents mm-hmm. and what they thought, um, how that contrasted with the Western vision of what mm-hmm. official Chinese history is and what lessons there are to be taken away from them. So I had to delve into a bit of like the Chinese archives and stuff, which was quite interesting. So yeah, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a brief description. <laughs> Wow, that that is that is some that is like <laughs> the most exciting like RA journey I've like I've heard so far, man. Like, um, would you say that the like your RA back in year one, right? Was uh, was there any difference between that RA and like your RA with um um 
Professor Graham Ellison? Because you, you mentioned, I, I think from what you mentioned just now, right, it seems like, you know, you actually did a lot more of the research work when, when you were, you know, um, assisting Professor Graham Ellison as compared to, you know, your first year RA with um, Kishore Mabubani? I think, like, being an RA for every professor is different, right? Because they all mm-hmm. have different, like, research interests and there are different stages of a project. So, like, mm-hmm. sometimes even if your RA is for the same project, like, joining at different points in time, I would give you a completely different experience. Like, when, for mm-hmm. instance, a professor is already trying to polish his manuscript compared to when he is trying to formulate what his manuscript is going to be about. Like, uh, that's completely different. So, mm-hmm. yes, obviously, it's very different. I wouldn't say it was more about, like, more research. I would just say that, um, they have very different focuses. Like, Graham Ellison was mm-hmm. trying to push out a book on China anytime soon. So it was more for his personal, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, self-education. <laughs> but like, you know, for like, um, um, Professor Mabubani, his was a lot more, what he needed was to be in, like, be in that kind of like intellectual space in that one month and to be able to absorb as many opinions as possible from all mm-hmm. of the experts. Like he met probably over 40 professors when he mm-hmm. was like in that one month time frame. So that was kind of more of his purpose. And I guess it's more like as a as research assistant, you have to assist them, right? In terms of like mm-hmm. what their purpose is. So I would say it's, uh, it was very, very different. But like, obviously I enjoyed both a lot and like uh, totally idolized both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is, I, I feel like that's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That is, that is so amazing. Yes, yeah, totally wow. once-in-a-lifetime, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> so eventually, right, Um, I think in you you are it with Professor Kishore Mabubani in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. So was the book that he worked on the one that came out in 2020? Yes, right? Eventually it became that. Like, uh-huh. has China won, right? Question mark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah, amazing. But I didn't like it was that was mm-hmm. like by like in that one month's time when I um was his RA, that was mm-hmm. like the book was not there yet. Like that wasn't even mm-hmm. a book, right? He's like, I want to write a book, but I need to figure out like is does there need to be a book? Um, how should this be different from other books out there? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, what how should I approach it? And I think that one month was probably and he did other fellowships at other universities mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, that one month was more of that, you know ideation process which i kind of get now like you know like you need to mm-hmm. yeah be able to i guess like even formulate what is the angle of your book before you can mm-hmm. write one right <laughs> yeah i think it's 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 a really in, interesting uh, like perspective because you know usually when you read a book or like a research paper you would assume that or maybe these professors you know got their sources from you know other peer reviewed um you know um, research papers or you know they just know, they just simply know a lot of for example but you know truly being in that position in the RA position right really allows you to understand that uh, they, they need to visit so many different professors talk to so many different people to, to gather all of these opinions I think that is really a, a very interesting insight that you that you just shared with me mm-hmm. yeah. And, 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 yeah. oh I was going to say like and you see, like, you know, for people like that, like, you call them, like, academics or public intellectuals or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, they, you, sometimes you're like, how do they know so much? And then you yeah. see how much they're constantly learning, challenging their own assumptions every single day. And you're like, God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I think, I think conversations is such an important part of, like, mm-hmm. um, any person's life, but particularly in a college environment. Like, this is a total, like, on a total side note, but I would highly recommend anyone to really make use of, like, the opportunity to have 
conversations with like not just professors with your TAs mm. like teaching assistants and every like t- teaching fellows or whatever you call it like mm. all of them and you like your fellow like friends and like students at the mm. college like yeah like it's such an invaluable resource that I think we often ignore to tap on but then you realize there are these like um, eminent figures who you know get fellowships just to come to call like a university campus and to be able to be in the environment where they can tap on multiple fields and multiple strands of ideologies and stuff like that so yeah mm. <laughs> i think it's a very precious resource like conversations wow so actually would you mind sharing some tips on you know how do you go about networking or you know um holding these kind of conversations with these interesting people in college because uh, i mean i think some of our listeners they could have just you know graduated from a levels or they, they just started university maybe you can share a bit of uh, some of your insights from your experiences mm-hmm. um i'd say like okay so as what i meant by conversations is a bit different mm-hmm. from networking i would say oh. like networking okay maybe maybe because it's also like a semi like <laughs> pragmatic connotation to networking yeah, yeah. networking is a bit more i feel like uh like i'm not the most experienced person with networking and there's so many mm. people who are much more able to speak on the topic but okay so i'll talk a bit first about conversations for conversations in university especially it happens very organically and you kind of have to uh to be able to you know like create the opportunity for that to happen so mm-hmm. if it's with friends and fellow students it's very easy right like everyone is like like you know you eating lunch by yourself is like um like the same amount of time as you for instance eating lunch with someone else and you could eat mm-hmm. lunch with many many different people and talk to many mm-hmm. many different people including people that you might not usually talk to like you mm-hmm. know so i think i think dining halls are a huge you know facilitator for like these kinds mm-hmm. of organic conversations and talking to these people and i think um Sometimes it's about not asking superficial questions like, oh, how are you? Who are you? From? Like, where are you from? Like, what do you study? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how do you like the dorm? But also more so about like, um, I mean, if you're interested, right? Like, oh, why did you choose this class? Like, like what is the coolest thing that like, like you know, the professor said? Or like, I've mm-hmm. always heard about this professor. Is he cool? Or like, do you have different kinds of ideas? Or like, oh, why do you want to do this? Or like, stuff like that. And I think you can mm-hmm. actually get to know a lot of people that way. And they point you to other interesting people. And you could be like, oh, that's so cool. I love to meet this friend, right? And like, you mm-hmm. know, like, like-minded people find like-minded people. And then you meet more like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And you could also, yeah. And I mean like-minded, not that like you are all similar, but more of like you're <laughs> all curious, right? Mm-hmm. And like to talk to people. And then in terms of professors, usually they have mm. office hours, regardless of what university you go to. And I think tapping on that is very important, including sometimes even like, you know, like if, if there is the opportunity to be like, hi, I'd love to have lunch, right? Or like, mm. like, you know, have a few students, like friends in the same class and take a professor out for lunch. And then you get to know like him or her in a more informal like setting. Or like just, mm. you know, like just, just. Asking them questions and stuff like that. Yeah. So so I'll say that's like how organically it happens. And like, you know, naturally when you follow your interests strong enough and express them strongly enough, you will mm-hmm. realize that there are a lot of like um, um, opportunities for those interests to bounce off other interests with other people as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I like that kind of cross-pollination. I think that's very, very interesting. Like I remember my roommates, for instance, all studied different things like engineering um mm. molecular and cellular biology wow. um like visual environmental studies and like film mm-hmm. so like yeah right so like talking even to your roommates is just like very very exciting when you talk about like oh mm. like different kinds of cross-pollination of ideas and then in terms of networking so that is something that i think a lot of people are anxious about when they go into mm. college um my definition of networking in this context is a bit more of uh 
being able to build connections that uh, are helpful to your career. So that's how mm-hmm. I would define it in this like setting. Uh-huh. So like, I mean, you could have different, like a different definition. But I think for networking, um, one thing is definitely to be brave to reach out. I think, for instance, Yun Zheng is very, <laughs> is very good at being able to like reach out to different people, right? Like even if you don't know them personally previously. Mm-hmm. Like, but you realize that actually a lot of times you're like, oh, she'll probably not talk to me or he'll probably not respond or whatever. But mm-hmm. like literally there's no harm. And I remember like even back when I was applying for uni, I was just very like, uh, like took a lot of initiative in approaching people even if they didn't mm-hmm. know me just to ask, right? Like it kind of hurt. Like the worst case scenario is they don't respond to you, which is literally... Mm-hmm where you started off from, right? So I think, I think, yeah, yeah, like, like you know, being very proactive and um, trying to reach out to people whose experiences you admire or you're inspired by mm-hmm. and to get to know their motivations and their trajectory. I have been so, so, so inspired by so many people who have given me so much advice, like, throughout all of these things. Like, I, I know, like, when I talk about those trajectories just now, those experiences, I was yeah. a lot more about, like, oh, internally, what are my motivations? But I received a lot of help and mentorship from a lot of people. And, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like very indispensable. So I think that's very, very important. And obviously you could be uh, more than just proactive about it. Some people are very systematic about it in terms of mm-hmm. how they attend networking events, who they keep track with, like a follow-up emails, setting up phone calls, doing like coffee chats. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's another approach to do it. And that's actually quite important for some industries, especially like finance, um, mm-hmm. I would say. So some industries uh, necessitate that. For others, it's a bit more organic just like how you mm-hmm. do like college conversations. So I'll say like, you know, like don't be afraid of uh, approaching someone you might not know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, but social media is great because it gives you a lot of avenues in reaching out to people. And I, and mm-hmm. I have reached out to people who I don't really know, but you know, who I identify a certain like, mm-hmm. you know, similarity or like an um, shared, you know, interest for like, you know, as a conversation starter. Yeah. So yeah, you can really do that. <laughs> yeah. And this podcast thing is very cool. And so it's like the uni bridge thing. Because mm-hmm. you actually get a chance to, I like, guess, like in your yeah. chat, right? Like you have like yeah, exactly. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. Just bring in so many different, you know, people, different perspectives and just facilitating that conversation is, you know, a really cool experience that, yeah, that I think I, I feel really privileged to have this opportunity to even speak to you. And it's because of this podcast that I even, you know, had this idea to approach you to ask, you know, questions about uh, things like research, things like, you know, journalism, so on and so forth. Actually, um, you know, moving on from there, because I realized that a lot of your research has um, been with professors that have a very strong focus in Asia or, you know, in Ch- as, like in China, US relations, things like that. And, I think it probably comes as no surprise that you're actually in um, the Harvard College China Forum. <laughs> that, that's like a, is that a club or a student club? Or? It's like a, it's basically a student club. So I mm. think from my freshman to junior year, so for three years, I was in the club and it was very, very formative for, I guess, like, you know, understanding China beyond the superficial like I feel like when I was in Singapore I used to think oh yeah I know China yeah like you know <laughs> like from Sean and Juan stuff <laughs> like <laughs> you're yeah. like yeah I understand China and then you're like do you you know nothing about China because you start realizing that there's like um so many interesting things that are happening in China which back then I think like now it's so obvious right because they've all erupted to the surface but mm. back then one thing was obviously what was happening in tech like beyond the BAT, like Baidu, mm-hmm. you got about Tencent, or even like if you're not, if you're not like a Baidu fan, you fight dance. So like, you know, like beyond that, like the entire startup ecosystem was flourishing so much and like actually had 
transition from um, being kind of like a um, imitator of Western startups to mm-hmm. becoming an entire hub for new trends and new innovations. So that was mm-hmm. one thing that was very interesting. Other things were also in like Chinese, like um, in terms of their entertainment and culture, um, in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, their kind of like soft power exports. Yeah. In terms of their, um, like, I would say their finance investment industry, um, everything back then, I think I was very fascinated. I knew very little. And then um, Harvard College China Forum not only, I think, allowed me to learn about these things, but mm-hmm. it was also, also a platform which is very rare for college students to be able to leverage and to bring speakers who you would never imagine yourself coming to contact with mm-hmm. to all to Boston to talk about these topics for more people. So you're like mm-hmm. shaping discourse, creating new ideas and coming into contact with them, but also having the platform as a university student to talk to these speakers. So that was just like, I think it was a very, very great experience, especially for mm-hmm. someone who was, um, who is still very interested in China, like till today. Mm-hmm. And I'll continue to be, and I guess like I'm interested like in China by itself, but also in like US-China relations, but obviously also mm-hmm. how China comes into play with Singapore, right? <laughs> and like Southeast mm-hmm. Asia. So all yeah. these things are very interesting developments. And I would say a lot of my um, understanding comes from this forum. Including mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the panels that took place, the speakers I got to talk to, um, the ideas I got mm-hmm. to listen, and including the friends that I like um, organized the forum with, who came mm-hmm. from very, very diverse backgrounds, some of them from China, and then they had a very different perspective to offer. And I, and I thought that was so, so, so interesting. Mm-hmm. So this forum, right, it's like a once a year kind of thing, or it's once a year kind of thing, right? Yes. And maybe you can tell the audience like um, some of your more, um, memorable experiences or some of the people that you never thought that you have ever met <laughs> right and, <you> know. <laughs> yes so um so it's a once a year thing it usually happens in april i mean um so i'm not in the organizing team this year mm. i'm guessing right and um and it's this year i think it's happening like in china but it will be remote and virtual for the rest of the world but usually every year it happens in uh cambridge massachusetts or sometimes mm-hmm. even on Harvard campus. Like, it's very spread out. And it's a three-day affair, and it's the world's largest student-run conference on China. Mm-hmm. And um, usually, pre-COVID times, it attracts, like, um, over a 1,000 attendees and over mm-hmm. 100 speakers. So it's a huge thing. And mm-hmm. usually, you have three keynote ceremonies. Curious so, to learn more about Selena's experience at the Harvard College China Forum and the unexpected people that she got to interact with? Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast to find out more. And to our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our UniBridge community on Telegram. You can find the links to our Telegram, Instagram, and LinkedIn in our podcast description. So be sure to check them out. We'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye!